Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. You picked a big day, a great day. Well, I mean, every day is pretty cool around the House of Kraus, but you have picked a particularly exceptional day to swing by and curl up in one of the big comfy chairs by the fireplace. We have two very interesting guests. Couldn't be any more different from one another, but uh, they're very interesting nonetheless. Colby Smolders, we'll meet her in a little while. She was one of the stars of the hit sitcom, How I Met Your Mother. She was in the Avengers movies. She's now in Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. And in this one, she actually gets a chance to do some of the punching and shoving and kicking and shooting all the stuff that she never got a chance to do in the Avengers movies because the superheroes were hogging all that action. So she talks about that, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. First up, I want you to meet Uwe Ball. Uwe Ball is a German film director, producer, screenwriter. Sometimes he acts, you know, some of his movies, House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Postal, uh, In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. He's just finished a triptych of films called Rampage. This one is called Rampage, President Down. It will be uh, released on VOD in October. You can find it on iTunes and wherever you stream movies. And he's retiring. He's had enough of the business and he explains why. Now, I didn't know what to expect from Uwe Ball. I'd heard things. Anyone who's read anything about this man knows that he has a bit of a reputation. He's kind of a controversial guy. He has been known to challenge critics, film critics who don't like his movies, to boxing matches. Uh, I've read some interviews with him where he was quite openly confrontational. I didn't know what to expect when the phone rang, and what I found was a guy who talks a mile a minute, who's got opinions about almost everything, uh, but who was kind of a jolly fellow. I enjoyed talking to him. I don't think I agree with everything that comes out of his mouth, but I enjoyed talking to him nonetheless. Here's Uwe Ball. There's a lot of anger in this film, and I think that that's one of the things that people uh, will respond to and have responded to over the course of the previous two Rampage films. Um, what were some of the real-world events that that pushed you towards making this trilogy, and I guess specifically this last film? Yeah, I have to say, like, uh, so the, my last two movies, and I retired now after the third one, were Rampage 2, Rampage 3. They were very political, even if they were, like, action-driven uh, terrorist movies in a way. But, of course, there's a lot of political message uh, in it. And it's kind of, I don't know if I have the, if I have the midlife crisis. I'm now uh, uh, 50, uh, 51. But um, I'm very, very unhappy about the political, like the turn of the globe, basically. You know, when you, when you really uh, look into it, uh, we, we face global problems in, in uh, uh, wealth distribution, for example, in global warming, but we don't attack that problems. We, we instead, uh, we basically working on economic growth only in uh, lifting up the stock market, the index, and uh, uh, basically uh, all the governments worldwide have no other recipe in keeping the people calm. Uh, you know, like like that we flooded the market since 2008 with like basically free money, uh, interest-free money from the Fed or the ECB, and uh, that is a is creating a huge uh, global problem. And this, together with the 
yeah, let's say political heavily mistakes made in the Middle East in uh, um, the banking system that there was no bank regulations after 2008 and uh, uh, is now peaking in that basically political shit show we're having in America right now, where, where a completely crazy lunatic like Trump uh, almost could become president and uh, running against a completely bought and corrupt Hillary Clinton, who uh, basically uh, is nothing else as a lobbyist for Wall Street, Silicon Valley, Monsanto, and others who pumped up money in, in, in her ass, basically, and Bill Clinton's uh, uh, foundation. And so that, that is the thing. So I'm very, very upset about uh, what we're doing with the planet. I have kids, and even if I maybe make it happily in my bed, uh, dying in, in 30 years or whatever, 25 years, 30 years, uh, I don't know about my kids if they make it through. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, yeah, unsettling. And it's uh, disturbing also. And I felt also that Hollywood, that's the reason my movies are so concrete, so political, concrete, talking with the real names about the real issues. It's not Jason Bourne or any bullshit movie where they make some fictional stuff up. It's that, that movies are real. You know, so, and that, that is the thing why, why I'm very happy about, basically, uh, even if they're small budget movies, but I'm very happy about them. Is Bill speaking for you? Bill, played by, by uh, Brendan Fletcher, is he Absolutely. your voice in the film? Absolutely. And uh, uh, it, it, it is basically, uh, and I hope not only for me, I mean, that the fascination with the character is, yes, he's a mass murderer, he's a terrorist, but at the same time, he's right. So whatever he says is kind of, uh, uh, he has good points uh, to make, you know. So, and and uh, uh, that, that, that I think is the, the interesting subject matter. But also like in the last part, now that the, the two cops, they are totally different. The one is kind of a racist. The other guy is basically giving, is basically on both side in regards of what he says, you know. And, and uh, I, I feel also that this is like a, yeah, a big, a big thing in society right now that a lot of people don't feel represented anymore by the state, by the government, by, uh, by the politics, by the political parties. In Germany, uh, in U.S., uh, basically everywhere where, where you look around. And, and I think that the politics, uh, the masquerade of the politics uh, felt more and more apart. It's, it's, uh, if, if you listen to the, what, what Trump wants, for example, uh, he says, I'm there for the, the, the working class. But every single point he wants to put in action will only benefit the super billionaires, not even the millionaires. Only the billionaires will get richer and richer under Trump. And everybody else will lose health care, will, will lose social, social security, uh, will, will lose minimum wage. That is Trump. But nobody cares because they, it's just all an empty balloon and they don't... The, the brain of the people didn't get reached any, anymore. And, and the only reason that the Trump could generate so much followers is the disappointment of the masses of, of people like Obama, people like Clinton. You know, they came like revolution, like not Clinton, but, but Obama at least came as like a revolutionary new president, a black president and, and black lives matter and blah, blah, blah. I mean, how many black people got shot uh, more as ever uh, under Obama? 
the Middle East politic is a total disaster under Obama. Guantanamo Bay is not closed under Obama. And uh, if everybody says, yes, economically, uh, the, the country recovered, yeah, because they got flooded with free money, and the only people who got richer are the, the really rich people. The, the reality is that in that matter, I think the Republicans are dead right. The middle class and the lower middle class and the working class in America didn't get any better in the last five, six years after the 2007-2008 disaster. Nobody got better. You know, and, and that is the thing. It's, I made that movie, Assault on Wall Street, where a guy is losing everything during the financial crash, and then he shoots the bankers. Uh, so he, he basically uh, turns against them. them. And uh, if you think about six million Americans lost their houses, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see that nobody of this guy's run Amok. You, know. you, yeah. you, you sound so passionate about this. How can you retire now when it seems like there's still stories to tell? Yeah, because it, ha it has no impact. Mm -hmm. You know, like the Rampage 3 will be watched on Netflix. People will maybe watch some DVD or iTunes and so on, and they will say, oh, that was a good movie. I liked it, blah, blah, blah. And they keep going, and then they watch Avengers. So, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not like the market is, A, the market is dead. You don't make any money anymore on movies because the video market, DVD market, Blu-ray market worldwide is 80% uh, less. Uh, the revenues are 80% dropped in, in the last two years. So that is the real reason I just cannot afford it anymore to make movies. And uh, the, the other one is that uh, now we're streaming everywhere. You're like, it's like a mass, it's like it's just a wave, a big wave of movies uh, flooding around and uh, you have no impact. You know, I'm looking for, like, basically, uh, I, I think about the, like, the next chapter of my life, maybe really getting more political involved, mm -hmm. you know, like, because I think we have to face the reality not only with movies, we have to face the reality in reality, and I just cannot watch it anymore, what's going on. It's like driving me insane that, that uh, uh, yeah, that, that we have real problems and we don't attack them. We just uh, overlook them. Like, look at fracking. We know fracking makes earthquakes, and they still do fracking, whatever they want. We, we know CO2 has to get reduced brutally, and max, like to a maximum reduced, uh, to stop the, the melting of the poles, basically, and the ice in Greenland and everything. We, we all know that. But when they, whenever they meet, they make decisions for the next 20, 30, 40 years, you know? But it's like... Uh, it's totally absurd. It's like the doctor told you, you have terminal cancer, you're dead within the next three months, and you, whatever, uh, you make an operation of your nose. Right. <laughs> it's really like, it's only really sidetracking. It's, it's, com it's completely absurd. I mean, the decisions we would have to make in that climate things is uh, in five years, only electrocars. No more private jets. Tomorrow, like stuff like this, that we need radical, big decisions. And, and we have to be aware, like we have to tell the people, like if we don't make radical, big changes, and that means uh, new businesses, it means new working. So it's not that people getting out of business, you know, Mercedes-Benz just is doing only electro cars like Tesla. It means not that people going out of business. But, but they, they will never do it if they don't get, like, from the politics, like kind of a final order, you know, like, like you have five years 
then there is no fuel-driven engine anymore. So then they know, okay, now we really have to invest, we really have to go for it. But in the end, they will be also happy if, if they did the change. So uh, uh, to, to uh, change to renewable energy and stuff like this, in, that, in, the, in the big process of renewable energy, Germany is, for example, very strong for going forward with sun, uh, wind, water, energy, and so on, and it creates new jobs. It, it, it didn't damage the German economy to do uh, big radical uh, changes, you know. So, and I mean, that, that is the thing. Wait one second. The electrical call, <laughs> advertising call. So, no, but, you know, that, that, are, that are things where, where I get passionate about. And uh, uh, that is also, in, in a way... Uh, to, you know, like I'm, I'm a long time in the business. I made over 30 movies, and then to get reduced all that years to the Golden Raspberry and to Blood Rain or House of the Dead, it's boring for me. You know, most of the reviewers they didn't even saw my last seven movies. They didn't saw that I made the only feature about Darfur, the genocide in Darfur, uh, or Saul on Wall Street is way better as Wall Street Two from Oliver Stone. Stone, it's better research, it's better written, it's better, but it doesn't have Michael Douglas. You know, it's just uh, have only like Dominic Purcell and John Hurt, like a B cast. And so I know that without the the, num- the A-list cast, I'm just ending nowhere as a director, and I'm not getting the A-list cast for my movies. Um, you know, and that is the thing. It's like, uh, for me, it, it was just time to say, uh, I don't go back to student filmmaking. For this, I made too many movies uh, in my life, and I cannot make cheaper and cheaper movies uh, in, in my age and so on, you know, and, and um, so that was the, the main point to, to stop making movies, and uh, it's a shame, I would be happy to make movies, but uh, it's just not uh, financially possible, and uh, based on the fact that nobody ever, let's say, uh, pushed one of my movies forward uh, in the last few years, uh, saying, no, that is actually the most uh, political, controversial movie out there, or made, like, you know, never, that had never happened. And that is the thing, what is also then, for me, it's like, okay, you know what, forget it. And I don't need also to go anymore to that stupid festivals where you don't have all the geeks and you can sign a poster t-shirt or something, uh, because it's also not me anymore. I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm not like a young filmmaker anymore. It's like, you know, and, and I don't want to make a, uh, I don't want to be a grandpa walking around on the film set. So, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's maybe five to ten years too early, but financially, uh, the absolute right decision. And do you think that a year from now, that two years from now, you'll still be satisfied with this decision? Uh, I'm not satisfied with that decision right now, but, but the reality is uh, I never had a producer. I never had people giving me money. You know, like I'm using my money since 2005, uh, to make the movies, and if I wouldn't made uh, the, the the stupid video game based movies, I would never had like amalgamated some capital that I could say, let's make that Darfur movie. You know, I don't need a Ferrari, I don't need the yacht. I invested in my own movies, and I lost money. <laughs> you know, like the Darfur movie. I think I pointed out there's a huge genocide. Three hundred fifty thousand people got hacked in pieces, and uh, the the president of Sudan is still the president of Sudan. He didn't get arrested. He didn't get killed by a drone. Uh, what would be easy for the Americans to do? No. The biggest mass murderer since Hitler is still free and president. That, that shows also that, that whole moral, what they always say when they say Arab Spring and 
Clinton says now, oh, the poor people in Aleppo. It's all show. If they don't give a shit about the children getting killed in Aleppo, Clinton, Obama, they give a shit about them. Like, they, they, they don't care. Uh, because if they would really care about, for example, Syria, they would work with Putin to stop the murdering thing. Putin is a murderer and he's a dictator, but he will be on Assad's side to keep him in power. You know, and when America says, ha, ah, but we cannot, uh, uh, that, that, is, uh, that is like uh, a pact with the devil or whatever. Yeah, but what they're doing since 20 years? You know, I mean, they, they always did the wrong steps, had the wrong connections in Middle East, always supported the people who turned then later on them, who turned into ISIS, and all that kind of stuff. It's, that is the thing, what, what is driving me insane. And then you have a situation in Sudan where you had a, a clear good and bad and evil and, uh, situation, right, the way, where you could really point out you had an arrest warrant from the Den Haag court uh, about uh, mass murder genocide. Uh, yeah, and nobody arrested him. And that is the thing where it shows it's all about the money in the Middle East and the politics are all the same. They absolutely give a shit about who is alive or not, who gets killed when children drowning in the, in the ocean uh, trying to fly to uh, escape to Europe. They don't care at all. They only act that they care. And that is the thing. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, very, it's a very bad situation overall. It makes me very upset. And uh, we have no moral, we have no, uh, in any way, uh, as, as countries, an understanding of money is not everything. That, uh, that is basically uh, the, 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 the status quo, you know. So, uh, yeah. But it, yeah. What, what would your political job be then? Would you work behind the scenes? Would you be a, a candidate of some sort? How would you make political change? Yeah, I don't know. It's like the, my only way right now would be to go back to Germany uh, as a German citizen, even if I'm married with a Canadian and uh, Canadian permanent resident. But uh, I would have to go back uh, to Germany. And uh, it's, it's also, I mean, in Germany is a huge political storm against the Chancellor Merkel. Um, she will not survive the next election. And uh, it's, it's a lot of things basically to do, you know, but uh, at the same time, um, I don't know. It's, like, it's very tough to do a, a political uh, campaign or something because uh, normally political careers, especially in Germany, and I think Canada is kind of the same, they only happen if you're a long time a party member and then you work your way up in that party. You know, like an outside candidate uh, never really made it anywhere uh, only in U.S., because uh, you can just be an outside candidate like Trump, and you come in with a big mouth and a lot of TV appearances, and you actually have a, sh a chance, they, <laughs> or enough money. Oh, yeah, only in his case, though, it was more about being on his television show, The Apprentice, and that's only everyone knew who, who knew he was already. I don't think a person off the street could just come up and make the same sort of impact. No. No. And that, that is the thing, even in, like big billionaires like Ross Perot didn't made it when they spend a lot of money for their own campaign. And uh, so, it, no, it's, it's, it's the thing, but uh, I just read today a good article from Chris Hatches about it, and he said, like, uh, in a way, that kind of that the, the distrust uh, of the people against Hillary Clinton make, in a way, the success possible of a Trump. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and if Bernie Sanders would be the candidate, he would won by a landslide. Because Sanders was, for me, kind of a figure like Obama eight years ago, where you feel, yes, that guy wants to do the right things. And uh, that he didn't get uh, elected candidate for the Democrats uh, is, of course, a total <laughs> is a, a proof of point that in the end only money matters. And, and uh, but at the uh, but it's also like the end of of a political possible revolution because he is too old. Yeah. You know, it's just like not that he can do it next in four years again. Uh, and uh, I understand why a lot of Sanders supporters say they don't want to vote for Hillary because in the very end, Clinton will not do anything what Sanders wanted. Uh, you know, she will, she will basically be uh, on the middle, on the right side. She's basically more a, a, a Republican like Mitch Romney as she is a, a more socialist like a Bernie Sanders. So it's, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen for the, for the, for the people uh, working hard. Or for the blacks when she's doing all the speeches and the Hispanos and the woman and blah blah blah. That is all completely bullshit and it, it, it's all made up to. Uh, I mean, I love the show Veep with Julia Dreyfus where she played the vice president. You know, like it's a, it's a comedy, but it's exactly how it is. Oh, I think so. I think yeah. I think if we knew how much it was really true to life, that we'd be shocked. Absolutely. Yeah. They give a shit about everything. And it's all about the power position. Veep, I think, is a great thing in addition to House of Cards because it's like, it's lighter and funnier, but it's basically the same dirty story. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that, that is, uh, <laughs> so we, we have it in front of us. That was also the reason why I was laughing about when Trump's video came up with, uh, with Billy Bush where he said, like, I grab her by the pussy, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and everybody flips completely out. But I mean, watch Veep or <laughs> House of Gods. It's basically that shows everybody is like this. They all have a total dirty language 24-7 as, lo- as soon as they are alone in the room. Oh, listen to the, the Nixon tapes. You hear yeah. it there, even as far back as that, 50, 60 years ago. Yes. Yes, uh, is, uh, I mean that, that Trump is a disgusting scumbag. Uh, that, that, that is that is that is uh, absolutely clear. And a seventy-years-old guy is not in a locker room like a twenty-years-old uh, football player talking with his other buddies about the girls they, they fucked on Friday night. It's a different situation, and it, it, it shows. Uh, but it shows that mentality. What you can see if you see his wife, when you can see his lifestyle. And it's the same mentality, of course, in Hollywood. And a lot of people have this mentality. And then that is one of the reasons I never moved there. And I just hate Hollywood. I hate all that scumbags, the, the agents and managers and publicists, because it's all fake. And uh, that was also maybe a big downfall of my career, that I never connected myself with the system. Right. I just made all that movies basically <laughs> against the system. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, now what what will you do next? You have the restaurant in Vancouver, and yes. if, if not politics, what will it be? What's the next step? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I need a little time out, yeah. and uh, um, I'm <clears throat> right now uh, still focused on my event film company. We we sell movies also from other producers and directors, uh, so that I will keep going uh, with it. Uh, hopefully, I mean, <laughs> as I said, the market is so shitty that a lot of times it's very frustrating for me to tell a young director, 
your movie is good, but uh, Netflix gives us only $5,000 for it. I mean, that, you know, that, that is one of the things that is a really hard call because it's like a lot of people still gather the money together to make a movie. Uh, and, and, but the market collapsed. And uh, if you have 100,000 turns on iTunes, they give you like $4,000. Yeah. If you had 100,000 turns in Blockbuster, you made 250000 you know, that is the big difference what, what, with the dissolve of Blockbuster and Rogers and so on, with the video stores and with the big video alleys in Best Buy and Walmart, where you got all the movies and not only the big blockbusters. You could make money, uh, but that is all over. I mean, go into Walmart. The only movies they sell now are basically the big major productions. Yeah, they're all superhero movies. Yes, yeah. yes. Do you have a final message then for critics who you will be untroubled by, I suppose, if you don't make any more films, do you have a final message for them? No, I mean, now where I don't make any more movies, maybe they find the time uh, to, to actually watch, especially the movies starting with Postal 2005 yeah. up, the, the movies of the last 10 years, and they will see there were a lot of very interesting movies, and a lot of movies that made, I think, uh, sense and, and uh, set a point about things, and, and they deserved to be discussed bigger as they were, you know. That's Uwe Ball talking about his new film, Rampage, President Down. It's his last movie. At least that's what he's saying for right now. Uh, you can go to his restaurant in Vancouver. It's called Bauhaus. Uh, you can look for him to distribute other movies, but it doesn't seem like he's going to make any more of his own. And depending on whether you're a fan or not, that's either a good thing or a bad thing. Flip a coin on that one. I'll give your ears a little rest right now because that was a lot. That was a lot of information coming spilling at you very quickly. He speaks quickly and he's got a lot of ideas, but he's an interesting guy, Uwe Ball. Now, Colby Smothers. You know her from the Avengers movies. You know her uh, from all sorts of other things, sitcoms on television. She's been in action movies aplenty, but she's rarely part of that action. Uh, now she gets a chance to be a part of the action, and uh, she tells me that it wasn't quite all that she thought it would be. Here's Colby Smothers talking about the action sequences in Jack Reacher Never Go Back. Tell me a little bit about uh, your character, Major Susan Turner. Uh, she's interesting to me because to play her, you have to do action, you have to do comedy. Um, there is an almost romantic edge to some of it. There's a lot going on here. Uh, so what was it about her that appealed to you? Well, you kind of just, you just kind of said a lot of it. I mean, um... She is such a strong, tough woman and a woman uh, stronger than I could probably ever be. I think anybody who decides to enlist in the military um, and do all the work that it takes to become a major within the military is a very is somebody who is much stronger than I will ever be. But um, yeah, it was a combination of the, Edwards Wick wrote a really amazing script. Um, and the character was already very much there on the page, and um, and I was really excited about doing some real action scenes. I'd done uh, some quote-unquote action movies before uh, through the Avengers and, and, and the Marvel the Marvel universe. I've been a part of uh, some of their stuff, but um, I, I missed out on most of the... Um, 
uh, most of the fun fight sequences. So um, jumping onto this film, I knew that I would get to do um, uh, a lot more fighting hands-on rather than sort of standing next to the superheroes while they do all their fights. And are um, they fun to shoot? They are... These ones were because it didn't... That's a great question, because sometimes they are not. Yeah, sometimes they were. Right? Yeah. They're quite technical, and they can drag on. I mean, we... You've seen the film, I'm assuming, yeah? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So the kitchen fight sequence, that went on a while. Right. <laughs> that went on a while. Um, but, like, the courtyard fight sequence, that was, like, one evening of shooting. Right. So when it's, like, quick and fast and intense, and uh, they're really fun because it's, it's like an adrenaline rush, and, um, and it's, it's like doing this, like, in the choreographed dance with somebody, but when they drag on and it's about the minutia of, like, we have to do the insert of, like, picking up of the meat tenderizer, and then, you know, we have to do, we have to do it from this angle and that angle, it, 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 it kind of takes, um, takes the magic out of it. But it was, for me, all of the training, all of the fighting just really helped me get more into this character, um, who's a woman who we say has graduated ranger school, which while we were shooting this movie wasn't uh, a possible, like it hadn't happened. We hadn't had a, a woman graduate from ranger school. And then during the shooting, we had two, the two, the two first women graduate from ranger school. So it was like, if, if I'm playing a woman who can go through, who can endure that type of, um, training that type of experience, then then this should be like a piece of cake, what I'm doing day-to-day on set. And you started this with a broken leg, or did, you had a broken leg, I think, when you went into the first meetings. Yes, I did. I uh, I surely did. I When I met Ed Zwicks the first time, I was on crutches. When I, when I met Tom... I was walk. I was walking when I met Tom, but I was like very slow, <laughs> very slow. Um, yeah, and so it was. It was challenging physically to start to start this film. I mean, it was it was really starting from you know from the weakest place I could have I could have started. Uh, so it, it just made me want to work harder and make them not regret the decision hiring a, a cripple, um, and uh, and and really sort of to try to do the best job that I could. Did the training, because I understand it was fairly extensive, um, help you understand the character a little bit more? Because uh, the she would have gone through a great deal of training herself for at Ranger School. So does this bring you closer to it at all in any way? Yes, exactly, uh, and that's what I mean to say with the training. Um, I there was there were days where I would push past points, like breaking points, where I was like, I can't take this anymore, and I was able to go a little bit further and to withstand um, withstand the, the the type of training that we were doing, and I got it got easier and easier, and um, and it was really painful at first, but I always kept that in the back of my mind, thinking about. Um, you know, what this woman would have had to go through and what women in the military and men in the military have to go through as well. I think that it was interesting to me, uh, the film sort of defies expectations in a lot of ways. And one of the ways, and this isn't really a spoiler, I don't think, but uh, it, it feels like there might be a romantic angle brewing. And then the movie doesn't really go there. 
And mm. I was pleased to see that uh, because it, it, it struck me then that the, the characters are all working on uh, an uh, equal footing. You're not a damsel in distress. You're not a person who is there strictly as a love object or, a, or you know, a, a, an object of desire. You're there because the character needs to be there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that, that what Ed wanted to do was do what was more unexpected. Right. Um, to not have these characters, you know, get together romantically um, was, was, was more interesting to watch play out than to have a love scene in the middle of the movie. You know, I think it was, I think they were hoping, and I hope it's true, that, that audience are more interested in that, like you just described, than, uh, than, seeing, a, than seeing a love scene. And Lee Child, who's written all mm -hmm. 20 of the books, visited the set. Did you manage to speak with him and, and learn anything from him? Because he, this character appears in the 18th book, right? Is that right? Yes, it does. Yeah. Are you, are you, it seems like you're, you, you know the series quite well. Have a you read all bit, the books? A little, a little bit. I mean, I've read, yeah. I haven't read all of them because there are 20 of them. There's but, a lot, uh, yeah. I've read a number of them, yeah. His 21st, I just saw him downstairs. His 21st is coming out next month. Right. I don't yeah. know. It's kind of like him and, and uh, like Stephen King that seemed to be able to write a book every oh my gosh, 20 right? seconds. Uh, kind I know. Of it's, insane. it's insane. It's um, He was on set. I never really, you know, I, I, I went to the book for reference a lot for the character and even more specifically for to, to read sort of the interactions between Susan Turner and Jack Reacher because they're so well written in the book. And um, I really loved the back and forth between them in the book and, uh, and was always kind of going back, back to that to reference. Um, but I never really, I don't know, I, I, I never think I had a conversation with him about her and who he thought she was, maybe because I felt she was so well written in the book and I kind of got... I kind of saw her through his his words in the book rather than in person, but he was, I mean, he was in our movie, which is really fun. He has a really fun little cameo in it, and um, and he's been around quite a bit, and he's been doing some press with us, too, so I've, that's just what always happens in movies, is you get to know people more when the movie's been done and you're on press tours together. That's right, yeah. But yeah. you actually get to know each other more. Yeah, the next Jack Reacher book will be, like the 22nd one, will be set on a movie junket or something, probably. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Reacher goes Hollywood. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you did a, a screening for service members uh, in Virginia. Can you tell me what that was like? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, uh, it was really exciting to do a screening for uh, people in the military, families of um, service men and women, and um, and it's always like I, I mean I. I wish I had done that a year ago because I met some amazing women, um, some just real, uh, honorable, um, inspiring women that day, and it's a, it's really an experience. I'll, I'll I will I will hold dear to me for a while, and. Um, I met, just met a lot of people. I think that this is, you know, this is a movie. It's not, it's not all about the military, but but my character comes from the military police division, and and there are there are there are moments within it where we're it is sort of set within the system, and um, it was exciting to to bring some. I hope they I hope they liked it. I didn't get to watch it with them, but but um, it was just sort of one of those things to be able to to do, and and it is a way to try to say thank you for people who sign up and defend and put their lives in jeopardy for, for this country. It was like a small way to, to try to say thank you. 
If they didn't like it, you'd know Twitter. That's what Twitter is for. Ah, uh, yes. That's why I don't go on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, well, we've spoken before, and, I, and, and you, we talked about that, and I can't remember exactly how it came up, but you had told me that you, you don't. And and I can't remember exactly. The re- is there a reason other than just no time? or? Yeah, I find it to be quite negative, right. quite honestly. Um, I mean, I like to tweet out. I tweeted out my trip there because I felt really inspired. I like to tweet about charities. I like to tweet about organizations doing positive things for the world, for the community. And I just find that people are really negative. Yeah. And I just, I am, I'm not a sensitive person, but I have a hard time getting into the mentality of somebody who is so negative and who's just so mean. And I, and it kind of spins me out because I go, why, why are they so, why are they just so mean? And, and I, and I don't really understand it. And it's hard for me to see it from that perspective. So I, it kind of spins me out, which is why I, and not even if it's about me, if somebody says something negative about me, I mean, whatever, it's fine. But, but it's, it's just more about just being negative in general. I just feel like there's so much shit going on in the world. It's like, why do you want to make more of that? So I don't read it. I try to, I try to, and I even just kind of started reading it again. And I was like, Oh no, this is bad. (laughs) This is a bad thing. Um, so I, so I just post every now and then and, um, just try to be positive. It's probably the best way to keep it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, is this just a movie that people will go to and be entertained by, or do you hope that there's a message of some sort that comes through? I always hope there's a message of some sort. I mean, I think in this film, I think that there's there's like um, the three characters, uh, Susan Turner, Jack Reacher, and the character of uh, Samantha, this, this teenager that these two characters sort of get stuck with for the rest of the film, they create this sort of weird family, this dysfunctional family. And I think that it's really these three people are really looking to belong somewhere. And, you know, they're they're trying to connect in in some way, whether they know it subconsciously, whether whether it's subconscious or not. Um, And... I think that seeing the connections between these people, seeing, you know, seeing it all play out sort of in an entertaining way, it always kind of, for me, it always comes back to to family and just human connection, and um, I hope that people um, are affected positively by it. What a big show. What a giant show. The House of Krauss is literally filled to bursting with Uwe Ball, Colby Smolders. Uh, go see Rampage. You can check that one out on VOD, on iTunes, places like that. You can also see Colby uh, Smolders in Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, probably at any theater near you for the next couple of weeks anyway. Thanks for coming by. Thanks to Uwe. Thanks to Kobe. Uh, but most of all, thanks to you. If you weren't here, it wouldn't be worth really doing all this. Lighting the fire, raking the leaves, trying to make it look nice around the House of Krauss, having people over for conversations. So please come back and see us again next Monday. We put up a new show every single Monday, and you never know who's going to stop by for a visit.